Hi, this is your GM Alex. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to jump on real quick and talk about something pretty serious. The military conflict currently happening in Ukraine. As of the time of recording this intro, Russia and Ukraine have agreed to allow safe corridors for civilian evacuation. Along these areas, humanitarian supplies will be delivered, and ceasefires are in effect. While this is a hugely beneficial development for Ukraine, the world still watches in sympathy as Russia continues its assault on the country at large and occupies the city of Kherson with no indications of stopping. Russia's invasion and assault on Ukraine may seem like just the next chapter in the ongoing series of insane events we've been a part of since the beginning of 2020, but for the tens of millions of people in Ukraine, there is no comparison. While this may seem like a brand new conflict that came from nowhere, it's important to remember that This is only a recent escalation of an ongoing conflict between the two countries that began almost a decade ago in 2014. Now, nothing in the last couple years has come close to the upheaval of safety and society for the people of Ukraine. And from everyone here at the Inspired Incompetence podcast, we wish these brave and steadfast peoples Godspeed and safety. If you at home want to help the people of Ukraine, the best way is to donate. Go to globalcitizen.org slash en and click the link Ukraine, Meaningful Ways to Help. We'll also try to include a direct link in our episode post. Once there, you can find more than a dozen different fundraisers, all with different focuses of relief, from providing food and shelter to training medical staff to helping displaced families. It's a great network of support, all under the umbrella of helping the people of Ukraine survive and recover. Every bit helps, so please take a couple minutes to take a look and consider donating. We may have fun here having pretend life and death conflicts, but there's nothing funny about what Vladimir Putin is doing, and the best way to fight back is together. Thank you for your patience, and please enjoy episode 58 of our show. Harrowing Affairs of the Heart. Welcome back to the Inspired Incompetence Podcast, the only place you'll find more scandals than the MLB. Yeah. How's everybody doing? <laughs> yeah. Doing good, you know? That commissioner report's about to come out, so we'll see. Lockout, baby. Let's go. I hate the so, sport I love. <laughs> <laughs> so, we when when we last left off... Uh, you guys had just finished a very comfortable, cringe-free interrogation by Cito Maldera, and uh, you're just beginning another, we'll call it, interrogation by Evni Zagnas. Evni, of course, is the uh, Pathfinder Venture Captain and Randolph's superior. And former lover, don't forget that. For, former lover, allegedly. It's just one of those scandals. Uh, and, uh, her form of interrogation is a little different from Sito's, who was like, you know, classic police chief, put them all in their own rooms and question them individually. Evni seems to be, uh, about to perform a Harrow reading oh, for you Oh, yeah. All. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you all would recognize these Harrow cards from 
your hair reading with Keisha Keish. Uh, Randolph, you've seen Evni use these several times, so you, you would also know what they are. Nice. As she performs this, Uhtred's going to have his hand in his pocket on his own hero card. Uh, now that we're all between friends here, can I get Thelias out again? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think he should be a part of this. Uh, I don't know if he'll be part of the reading, but... No, 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 I just mean, you know, with me. Yeah, okay. And uh, uh, just as last time, uh, I will, of course, have my very own actual deck of Harrow cards, and uh, we will be doing this reading in real time. We'll do it live, so, baby. So you know it's real. Magic is real. Okay, um, so yeah, she, uh, she's got this deck of Harrow cards, uh, and she continues speaking. Dire happenings in remote places sometimes herald future trouble. If you are telling the truth, then the Harrow will help us better understand these mysterious circumstances. Sorry, um, do you all know what a Harrow reading entails? Uh, I, we've, we've been through it once before. Oh, I went through that in detail with her. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought Uchard would have too, like... Oh, that's true. Um, says yes. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, you 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 did mention that uh, that Shoki psychopomp, uh, Keisha Keish. Yes. Uh, that must have been quite the experience to have a reading like that done by such a long livid and learned being. I'll try to live up to the expectations that he has bestowed upon you. Sorry. Uh, is everyone in agreement to my terms? Yes. Excellent. Uh, the terms. Randolph doesn't yeah, wait, doesn't on. remember the terms, but he'll just nod along because <laughs> I I don't want to press her press my luck with her. Excellent. Now my proclivity with the harrow is well elevated. In addition to the mundane enlightenment you will receive from interpreting the cards themselves, you will also find yourselves enlightened in other ways. Additionally, I can take care to weave extra strands of fate around a single one of you during this reading. Are there any among you who wish to receive extra scrutiny from the threads of fate? Uh, keep those threads of fate away from me. <laughs> I challenge fates. So yeah, I would love it. Be warned. Our fates are fluid and malleable, but I am merely a paddle guiding us through an ocean. If you agree to this, there exists an inherent risk of ill fate to find its way through the same window I'll be opening to call in wheel fate. Randolph nervously looks at Elias, but is uh, otherwise unfazed by this. Vipera's yeah. answer remains the same. Yeah, Vipera's looking pretty stoic right about now. She's she's excited. She's already dealt with McTana blasting through on uh, in the other Harrow reading. <laughs> we dealt okay. with her just fine. Then let's begin. Uh, and she sits herself down at uh, the same table that you were all sitting at when uh, she asked you to sit down, tell her the whole story. Um, and she clutches her deck of harrow cards over her chest. Uh, she releases the deck of cards. And instead of falling to the tabletop in a pile, they remain stationary in midair for a moment before unshuffling and whirling around you all like a parade. The long trail of cards encircles you all, and around Vipira especially, forming tight looping patterns. After several revolutions around the table, the trail of cards come together again in front of Evni, who takes them in hand and begins shuffling them. 
Now, we need a question for the cards. Let's keep it relevant to what we've been discussing, please. I'm not about to give out free fortunes about anyone's love lives. Most of this journey has been based around the opals, so if we can inquire more information on those, good, bad, unholy, holy, can we learn more about them? And I kind of asked that question to the group, looking for agreeance. Randolph nods along uh, heartily. Yeah, Rogar wouldn't protest, so our information on that would be right up his alley, because he's, he's almost been having like an existential crisis ever since... We left uh, Rosalar's coffer and left his, you know, ever since we left Rogar's dead body behind, he's been wondering, like, what the hell am I? Yeah. Okay. These obols, as you call them, you said that they're apparently lodged or stitched into your hearts, yes? To some degree or another. Well, with matters of the heart, it is the charisma suit we must turn to. And Evni expertly flips through the deck and retrieves nine cards. She sets the rest of the deck aside and lays the nine cards out in front of Rogyar. In front of me? You first, Rogyar. Wait, so, I, yeah, Rogyar, I, I picked the, the eighth card that's in front of me. Okay. She flips it over, and you see a rather ugly and androgynous red-skinned creature with pointed ears and a third eye on their forehead. The creature wears gaudy jewelry and is peeking out from behind a plain white mask with colorful features. Evni grins. Have you crossed any powerful women recently, Rogyar? Uh, a few. Your role is that of the courtesan. This is the card of political intrigue. The courtesan's mask represents the social niceties that must be followed. Should the mask slip, well, who knows what could happen. Forgive me, but... You don't exactly strike me as a uh, social acrobat. Oh, I very much am not. Hmm. The card has another side, less often explored. It can sometimes refer to a woman of power who shapes events, and how she is treated can determine the outcome. Evni sets the courtesan card aside and reshuffles the remaining eight. Again, she lays them out face down, this time in front of Vipira. I'll go with four. She flips the card over, and you see theater curtains parted, and through them appears a comical puppet of a large dragon as it looms over another puppet of a valorous knight who stands before a prop treasure chest. Vipira, your role is that of the theater. This is a card of prophecy. The puppet acts out a scene, just as a prophet acts out a scene in which she has no part. This is a rather frustrating role, one of a passive observer, but observe you must, lest an important detail be missed for another. She sets aside the theater card and again reshuffles. Uhtred, you have seven cards laid out face down before you. He'll take lucky number seven. All right. Two figures stand side by side. One is a female with aquatic features, waves cascading up over her waist. The other is male and appears more infernal skin and hair a devilish red, with flames obscuring his lower body. Both man and woman appear happy, or at least content, and the female holds a child whose head is covered by a submersible helmet. Evni's gaze lingers on Uhtred for a moment, a curious expression on her face. Uhtred, your role is the marriage. 
This card can represent a union of people, ideas, kingdoms, and so on. The progeny of fire and water shows that such unions might bring forth new power from both parties, or it could just as easily be a ruinous joining of that which should never have been. Whatever the two things are that come together, and whatever change they bring, it cannot be undone. This is a card of permanent change. She sets the marriage card aside and shuffles the remaining six. She places them face down in front of Randolph. You can see uh, Randolph is in crisis, not wanting to pick the wrong one. He uh, you know, points it, uh, his arm is extended, pointing. Mm. Why, don't you roll a, why don't you roll a d6, Joe? Oh, that's a good idea. I'll use the uh, Lord Richter power die to determine my fate. One moment. It's a one. Wonderful. You flip over the first card, and you see a blue dragon curled around a small blue orb. The dragon's talons are digging into the orb, spilling what looks like blood out from the wounds. Randolph wasn't around for Kishikish's reading, but everyone else would probably recognize this as the Tyrant card. Uh, Evni sets a hard look at Randolph, like she's worried about him, or maybe even suspicious of him. Randolph, you never said what exactly happened to the others I sent with you to Roslar's coffer. Yeah? I just say they died? With an air of uncertainty. Hmm. She holds her gaze on you for another moment, almost like she's trying to look through you. Your role is the tyrant. This card indicates a ruler who mistreats those under his charge. The ruler could be a king, a foreman, or even a parent. Whether or not he realizes it, the ruler is a blight upon those he rules. After a moment of reflecting on the four drawn cards, Ebony puts all nine of them back into her harrow deck. And reshuffles. Uh, I look over at Elias as if <laughs> that was my first. That thing. I'm a blight on. I yep. sort of apologize without saying I'm sorry. Elias <laughs> uh, looks back at you with an unreadable expression. That's classic Elias. That kind of doesn't feel like the card I wanted to uh, roll there. <laughs> the tyrant. I'm <laughs> no. a blight on my people. What, <laughs> what the fuck was that? But it also feels very appropriate, right? Like, the way your guys' relationship was. You guys have kind of patched things up since you got to the city, but yeah, it got a little abusive towards the end of your your whole (laughs) stint through Roslar's coffer. As someone from a a broken family, I don't appreciate that marriage card. Hmm. Yeah. So, as she's shuffling, she's... Bear in mind that the roles you have drawn pertain specifically to your quest to better understand the O-balls in your hearts. Or at least the roles are laterally relevant. She finishes shuffling the deck and places nine cards face down on the table in front of her in a three by three grid. Now then, we shall attempt to understand these obols by interpreting a past, present, and future. The cards will provide answers, and it is our job to look closely. First, we'll start with the past. She flips over the three leftmost cards in the three by three grid. In the top card, you see a dark-skinned woman balancing on one foot while colorful orbs and ribbons of white and purple swirl gracefully around her. In one hand, she holds a decorative staff. The middle card shows a swampy forest. Three colorful lights float over the murky water, above the arm of someone below the surface, reaching for air as their strangled last breath bubbles to the surface. And the bottom card shows a large, cheerful estate, 
but the plot of land it sits on has been scooped out of the earth and now acts as the chassis for some massive mechanical construct. Mechanical arms and legs sprout from the estate's foundation, and a large smokestack near the top of the estate's tallest tower spews a thick, dark cloud. She points to the bottom two cards, the demon's lantern and the keep. No good to us. Their positioning isn't telling me anything. She points to the top card. But the dance is a card of rich and delicate framework that, like the universe itself, requires everyone within to abide by its rules, lest the entire construct collapse. It advises staying in perfect step, knowing your place in the greater good. Those who step out of the pattern do so at their own peril. While the Demon's Lantern and Keep cards are in unhelpful positions, the dance is actually in perfect alignment where it sits, making its relevance in this reading unignorable. And she absentmindedly twirls her hair around a finger while she's looking down at the dance card, deep in thought. It's hard to know if the dance refers to you, these O-balls, or someone or something else entirely. Perhaps their construction, that is the O-balls, uh, required perfect precision. Or maybe the act itself of their creation was indeed the act of stepping out of an otherwise harmonious pattern. Maybe their existence is actually the misstep. Hmm. I don't think we can know for sure without continuing. Let's move on to the present. Evni moves to the middle column in the grid and flips the three cards over from top to bottom. On the top card, you see two disheveled people, slaves, it would seem, by the shackles on their wrists. They stand in the foreground, away from a clustered group of people far behind them. One of the slaves in the foreground is raising his arms skyward, a look of jubilation on his face as his shackles shatter. Above him is a radiant sun. The middle card shows a man sitting in a high-backed throne. Spoils of some grand adventure rest on the floor before him, but he sits with bandages covering his head, and his arm is in a sling. He stares off blankly, while a half-dozen ghostly figures try in vain to console him. And the bottom card shows a large ant, though it sits upright with regal clothes and a crown, and its upper body bears a womanly figure. Maggots grovel on the floor before her. Evni points to this card and shakes her head. Mm -mm. Just as the demon's lantern and keep cards, the Queen Mother has nothing to say here. She points to the top card. However, this card is the big sky. It shows an epic moment, as the slaves of a nation are freed. The slave's freedom specifies a momentous and powerful change as old shackles are cast off in the light of day. And she nods, like almost reassuringly to herself, as she turns her attention to the middle card. And the survivor is a card representing a person who has been through an ordeal of some kind. Surrounded by his fallen comrades, the man represents someone or something thought lost forever, but found once more. It can also represent rebirth. And she kind of looks at you all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I doubted your story. This middle spread, the present, it speaks of the boons the Oballs have granted you up to this point. She points to the big sky. They freed you from the fate shared by everyone else at Roslar's Coffer. She points to the survivor. And helped you escape from Roslar's Coffer after you returned to the Material Plane. A more poignant rebirth I have not heard of in quite a long time. I will admit I'm a little nervous to continue to the future in this reading, but also quite excited. Yeah, Randolph's super nervous. It was she a little unclear where she was going with this, uh, but now that he's on the present, I, what she just said. And Randolph's not in trouble? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Not yet, at least. We'll see about the future. <laughs> On the future, it shows Randolph being uh, <laughs> put under arrest, and he is in so much trouble. Alright, uh, she moves so she moves to the rightmost column in the spread and flips over the three remaining cards on the right hand side. And the top card shows a two-headed giant. It lounges on the ground and one of its heads reels in mirth as it throws its hands back in laughter at whatever is being said by a small man standing before it. The man wears a wide-brimmed hat and has a banjo slung over his back. In the middle card, you see a man hunched over, marching past two small goblins, who prance around taunting him. The man's clothes are torn up and two arrows protrude from his back and chest. He wears a large prop head over his real head. The prop head represents a cheerfully stupid person. And the bottom card shows a tornado tearing through a stone tower. A fiendish face can be seen in the vortex, and it clutches thin, grasping arms close to where its chest might be had it a humanoid anatomy. Evni, uh, she flipped these cards over from top to bottom. Upon revealing the top card, you could see a small smile escape her lips. And after flipping the middle card, she seemed almost relieved. But after flipping the final card, she stops and stares at it, an unreadable expression on her face. Without looking up, she points at the middle card. The idiot card has no relevance for us. After a moment, she places a finger on the bottom card and looks up at you all. But the Cyclone card is a force that tears through whatever it meets. This disaster does not come in the course of natural order, but is one that comes from the plots of intelligent beings. The Cyclone signifies war, arson, or other all-devouring events. This is not a good card for our future. What's more, it's in perfect alignment in the spread. She looks back down and points to the top card. I am comforted, but only just, by this, the joke card. This shows a terror that must be overcome, but not by physical means. This monster can only be defeated by trickery or artifice. This card can represent the value of humor in finding the way past a difficult person or task. Like the cyclone, the joke is in perfect alignment. She looks back up at you all. I know you adventurers don't like to hear this, but... Whatever horrors you are to face related to these obols, they're not terrors you'll be able to overcome with brute force. She looks back down with her arms out in frustrated defeat. Or, looking at these cards another way, these horrible events may not be preventable at all, and you'll only be able to move on by finding humor or comfort in the situation. Evany rocks back and forth in her chair for a moment. She looks like she's grappling with her thoughts. If everything you've told me is true about Roslar's coffer, then I implore you to not take this reading lightly. She again expertly flips through her deck and removes four cards. You see the roll cards you drew at the beginning of the reading. She places the courtesan down. Rogyar, the powerful woman this card refers to, did she give you any indication that you would see her again? Again, Rogyar is like going through the list of powerful women. And he kind of settles on the the uh, the woman who gave us the the horse and carriage outside of the Bastion of Light. Yeah, the masked uh-huh. lady. Yeah, and he's like, I I I believe so. Well, think very carefully about what you say and do if that day ever comes. She places the theater down. Vipira, your role is like this reading, vague and frustrating. 
But if you listen carefully and watch closely, you may just get a glimpse of things to come. She puts down the marriage card. Uhtred, it would be easy for me to interpret the marriage to represent the union of your Obal and yourself, but then why you specifically? No, instead, I think that there is a bond somewhere else for you to make. Whether the bond is regarding the Obal specifically, or instead something that happens during the unfolding of events concerning them, I cannot say. And she puts the tyrant down. Randolph, you're not a bad person. I don't think you mean anyone harm. But the tyrant can inflict abuse onto others by accident. You don't strike me as the leader of this group. And I don't know if anyone offhand whom you have authority over. But I would caution you, if such a relationship exists now or in the future, be careful of how you treat them. The fate you share with your friends here may depend on it. Okay, I will. And she collects the four roll cards and the nine she used for the reading and reshuffles them back into her deck. She looks very worried, and she places, stows them under her, uh, folds in her robes. As for the reason that we're all here, I think there are very grave events coming our way. I'm the Venture Captain of the Pathfinder Lodge here in Vigil. I am no political or authoritative pillar of this city, but I will do what I can. Short of anything else at present, I, I'll mobilize the other Pathfinders in the city to be on the lookout for trouble. If they see or hear anything, I will know, and I will forward the information to you. But that concludes our reading. So, before the reading began, uh, Evany mentioned some extra insight everyone would gain when it was over. Um, exactly what that insight would be would actually depend on what cards were drawn for the reading. So, looking at all the cards, uh, all pertains to what suits these cards are part of. You guys know that there's the the charisma suit, which uh, you use for your roll cards for this reading. Uh, you guys use the constitution suits suit for your reading with Kishikish, and you know all all six ability scores have their own suit. Um, there were the most strength suit cards in this reading, so that means that everyone will gain a plus one insight bonus on attack rolls for the next 24 hours. Sick. As for Vipira, uh, in addition to the plus one insight bonus on attack rolls for 24 hours, uh, you gain some one-time spendable bonuses on various types of rolls. Uh, this is from Evany casting a spell called Harrowing at the beginning of the reading. Uh, depending on your alignment, compared with the alignment of the nine cards used in the reading, uh, you'll get either a bonus or penalty from each card, based on the card's alignments. Uh, the bonuses are one-time uses, and the penalties last the entire duration. Uh, but it's much harder for the for a penalty for you to get a penalty than a bonus. Bonuses from the spell are luck bonuses, so they would stack with the insight bonus you already have on attack rolls. Uh, if a card matches your alignment exactly, the luck bonus is plus two. Otherwise, it's a plus one luck bonus. Uh, only if the card is the exact opposite of your alignment is it a minus one untyped penalty. Assuming it's not a penalty, each card provides its own individual bonus, so you don't stack similar bonuses gained from different cards, since they're all separate luck bonuses. So, like, the big sky card is from the strength suit, so its bonus applies to attack rolls. It's a plus one bonus, unless your alignment is neutral good which it's not. Uh, if your alignment was the exact opposite, so if you were neutral evil, it would be a minus one penalty on attack rolls, except the penalty would be the entire duration. 
Meanwhile, the Cyclone card is also from the Strength Suit, so it would be a plus one luck bonus on attack rolls itself. Uh, assuming you have a bonus from both of these cards, uh, you can't use them at the same time for the same roll because they're both individual luck bonuses and they don't stack. Um, but otherwise, once you've used a card's bonus, it's gone. You can use a bonus after you've already rolled, but before the result is known. The duration of the spell is 10 days or until you've spent all your bonuses. Wow. Wow. Yeah, a lot of moving pieces to this spell. Um, so let's see. We had... Uh, Vipira, your alignment is chaotic good, correct? All right, let's see. So only a lawful evil card will give you a penalty. There is one lawful evil card, the Cyclone. That's the one that Evany was super worried about. So that means for the next 10 days or until Vipira uses all of her other bonuses, she will have a minus one penalty on attack rolls. So does that just wash with the plus one she was getting? Yes. For the di- but just and, for and today, that's a wash right? for today, and then it's a penalty for the next nine days. Nine days. Yeah. So let's see, but and it's funny because only because the uh, cyclone is from the strength suit do do those wash because other suits give you other bonuses slash penalties. So there's no chaotic good cards in there. Well, there might be, but that's the only one that gives you a penalty. He's gonna oh. go through the rest of them now. Oh, okay, good. Okay, we give you a plus it. two instead of a plus one. So lawful evil gives you a minus one. Chaotic good gives you a plus two. Every other alignment gives you a plus one. So you've got a minus one penalty on attack rolls. You'll also have one plus one luck bonus on attack rolls and one plus two bonus on attack rolls. You got a uh, chaotic good card in the big sky, which was also from the strength suit. So that was all the strength suit cards. Uh, now we have dexterity, which gives you a bonus on reflex saves. Uh, so you got one one card from the dex suit. So you get a, a single plus one bonus on reflex saves. You got one card from the constitution suit. You got a plus one bonus on con, con saves. Connor Fort. I'm sorry, Fortitude. Uh, you got one card from the Wisdom Suit. So that's a pl- one plus one bonus on will saves. And you had three cards from the Intelligence Suit. Uh, and that's going to give you two plus one bonuses on intelli- on, a, on any skill check. And one plus two bonus on any skill check. Uh, you got a uh, chaotic good card in the Joke card. And that was it. All right, so uh, what's everybody's thoughts? Uh, I love Elias. I don't know what these cards <laughs> are trying to tell me, but my love for him is only going to go up from here, so uh-huh. I'm not worried at all. All right, cool. I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't get a whole lot about the actual Olwalls. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get, like, facts right. from no, I know. a Harrow reading, uh, but they did seem to hint at some disaster, some... Uh, Un, like unbeatable thing in your future that you might only be able to beat through like trickery or like just not brute force. Yeah, I was sort of worried about that uh, cyclone card. Yeah, it seemed like she uh, wasn't too happy to see that, and then her description of it sounded super menacing. Yeah, and yeah, to me that like based on 
what we kind of know happened to Roslar's coffer, and then this reading saying that there's going to be some kind of cataclysm in our future, like... Yeah, like, how many cataclysms are we really gonna run into? Rugar's tempted to tell her to get the hell out of town. Tell who to get yeah. out of town? Everyone. Oh. A powerful yeah. woman, no doubt. Maybe you guys should just get out of the city. Is the minus one for nine days or ten days? Uh, it's for ten days, but hold on one second. I think I might have fucked up on that. Yeah. I'm sorry. The cyclone is chaotic evil, not lawful evil. So you actually don't have a penalty to attack rolls. Let's go. So that's uh, another then, plus one to attack rolls, right? Yes, another plus one to attack rolls. The fates smile upon Vipira. So we all have a plus one to attack for the next 24 hours. And Tom has all of these one time the each over the course of the next 10 days. Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, what do you guys do? Well, um, what, what time of day is it now? Like, where are we in the day? Gotta be kidding late. Let's see. Yeah, we were... It was, like, about 5 o'clock, I think, when you guys showed up to Bruna's. 5 p.m. Uh, and I imagine we've probably been at least a few hours, like, for this interrogation. I'd say, yeah, it's probably, like, 8 o'clock at the earliest at this point. Well, don't we have a bunch of new shit to s- sell? Yes, but most I assume most shops are probably going to be closed now. Honestly, I want to go back to Bruno's and see if she's still around so we can like Yeah, we didn't try see her. Talk at to all her. When we were there, right? We Correct. saw Bruna or who we assume no. is Bruna. Yeah, you didn't speak to her. Um, yeah, we didn't okay. speak so to her. We did her. see someone yeah. that we thought might was probably her. Yeah. 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 Um, actually, yeah, so Uchudel say to Evney, Evney, by any chance did you Happened to hear what happened to Bruna. She wasn't inside her shop. Thought I might have saw her, like, on the street helping in the bucket brigade, but... Yes, um, she actually, uh, I was... I, I came here from there, and Bruna said she wanted to speak with you. Uh, I assume she wants to thank you for saving her nephew. Hmm. okay, well, we should probably stop and see her quick. And I kind of say that, like, Uchi looking at Viper and Rogar and Randolph. Uh, hey, Rogar will nod, like, you know, we just saved that kid's life. We should probably go finish the job we actually went there to do. All right, well, I hope you uh, come across anything, Evna. You'll certainly let us know, and we'll keep digging. Before you leave, uh, Evni reaches into her robes again, and uh, she hands you... Uh, whoever takes it, a magical wand. She explains that it is a wand of detect undead. And uh, she says, Hopefully you don't find much use for this, but at the very least you could always liquidate it and use the funds for some other project that you have. But I I hope one way or another uh, you find use from this. How many charges? Well, thank you, Avni. Fifty. Alright, so you guys leave the... Vigil War College, and head back to Bruna's, correct? Yes. Yes, indeed. All right, so Bruna's is uh, somewhere on the northern end of the city, uh, so it doesn't take you super long to get there, uh, but it is it's definitely dark when you do, because let's not forget, uh, it's not winter at this point, but it is we're probably like a month into spring. Uh, so 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m. would definitely be 
nightfall and uh but yeah so you guys uh you arrived back at bruna's you know it hasn't been like super long since you left maybe a couple hours but yeah it doesn't even seem to be smoldering anymore i mean the building is you know i would hope it, it is definitely a fixer-upper at this point but you know it's it's still standing but yeah what do you do you're you're outside bruna's i would say i would knock but i'm guessing it's not quite possible. Knock her house down accidentally. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess probably just kind of step in and say, Bruna, are you in here? You hear you hear a voice. Uh, who, who is it? Who's there? My, my name's Uhtred Rebenber. I, I was here earlier when your armory was on fire. I, I went inside and helped save oh, are the you? Young- are you the one that, that saved Rolf? Hold on, hold on. And she, uh... Uh, one of the interior doors that's still standing uh, it swings open and you see the uh, like the the older looking female dwarf who was uh, hugging on Rolf after you rescued him she says oh, please please come in come in did did Evni find you oh thank goodness I I am so grateful for you for for saving Rolf from me there's no telling what what would have happened if you hadn't been here. Uh, please come in. Uh, I, I, I'm afraid I, I'm I'm not in a my my shop isn't in a state to entertain guests. But uh, please come in and, and and sit down. Thank you. You know, we happened to be on our way to come see you, and we weren't just passing by, and we were looking for you specifically before we knew of your fire. Did you come to uh, purchase uh, armaments from my from my smithy? No, came. More to see if we could gain some information. And oh, uh, I'd be happy to uh, give uh, give you any information that you that you want. Oh, you have quite a reputation, individual, being an expert armorsmith. And well, in in a completely different incident, we're led to believe that someone might be attempting to make a forgery of the shattered shield of Arneson. And, well, we were just hoping you could maybe, like, and provide us with some information on is, like, that even possible? Like, how would one maybe go about such a thing? The Shattered Shield of Arneson? Well, uh, I was commissioned to make a replica of the Shield of Aridin a couple of years ago. Uhtred, you would know that the Shield of Aridin was the, the artifact that would later become the Shattered Shield of Arneson. She says, yes, uh, there's a, uh, a gnome and, uh, a, a rather older fellow, uh, a human. Uh, they came in and they wanted a, a replica of the Shield of Aridin. Please come with me. I, I, I have, uh, I, I have some paperwork and, uh, notes from the transaction, uh, down in the, the basement. Rogar is just kind of like nodding along like, yep, this is how a good merchant behaves. Always keep your receipts. so she brings you all into her basement so a steep earthen stairway descends into a dry cellar uh, where three shields rest on a rack along the southern wall opposite the display of masterfully crafted shields a complex iron door covered in mechanical locking mechanisms fits seamlessly in the northern wall to your left as you enter so she uh she goes over to that that door with all the locking mechanisms and She's like, click, 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 and uh, 
the the door opens up and you see a, a cornucopia of filing cabinets and clipboards, all sorts of paperwork. Uh, and she says, "Forgive me, I I tried to keep this all of this organized, but well, I I do see my fair share of commissions." And she she kind of putters around in there for a few minutes. While she's doing that, Rogar is going like now that we have some time we're not trying to get the kid out of a, a burning an actively burning building Rogier actually wants to like float around the perimeter of the room and like examine the handiwork of these these shields and and whatnot as much as he never quite took to the family business he can appreciate some quality craftsmanship when he sees it sure yeah Rogier, you like a lot of a lot of the stuff in here is you can tell that she is She's the equal to any uh, armor smith that uh, that you know back in the Five Kings Mountains. She's a legit ass uh, smith. She knows her way around a uh, shield. While while you're used to peddling uh, armor and weapons, she seems to specialize in armor and specifically shields. You know, she she certainly is capable of you know if if it's made of metal, she can make it. Uh, but her her shields specifically seem to be like top notch. Like, I'll even get a call to her while she's looking in that other room. She'd be like, Bruna, this is some of the finest craftsmanship I've seen outside of Highhelm. Oh, th- thank you so much. Uh, it's always, always good to get another practiced eye to uh, appreciate my work. It gets put, it gets uh, put to good use here in Vigil. I'm sure it does. I'm used to supplying Rosar's coffer myself. But nothing quite so lofty as as the Knights of Ozum, I'm sure. Oh yes, uh, Roslar's coffer. Uh, I think I've, are, forgive me. Um, stone buckle, the Rogiar stone buckle. Yes. Yes, I, I'm. I am familiar with with your with your wares that you bring to Roslar's coffer, and uh, I think that. Town has, uh, you know, not quite as high a budget as as Vigil, so they're not able to pay for as uh, high quality goods. But I have seen very good armaments coming from from the Stone Buckle Guild. Pardon me, I, I mean no disrespect, only that uh, you know, the people of Vigil they, they'll they'll pay for for high quality magical uh, special material arms and. Roslar's coffer, I know them to be very well equipped, but certainly not commissioning anything uh, quite that lofty. Though I have no doubt that if they if they had, seeing what I've seen from the Stonebuckle Arms, you your family would be more than capable of supplying that, and I'm sure they do in other locations. Oh, I unfortunately I never quite got the family talent for smithing. My my talents lie elsewhere. I say, floating two feet off the ground. So, so it seems. Uh, ah, yes, here, here it is. Uh, and she has, uh, she takes out a uh, another dossier, and she brings it over to Utrid. So, at the top of the uh, bill of sales, uh, you see a familiar name, Killebrant. Uh, yeah, they they paid to have a replica of the Shield of Aridin made. Judging by the the notes. They seem to have been remarkably exacting about the specifications, including the exact fractures in the shield that the Shield of Aridin gained during that uh, battle with the Whispering Tyrant that would later uh, have it 
be renamed the Shattered Shield of Arnesent. Bruna, you didn't think this was maybe an odd commission? Oh, certainly I did, but I didn't really think anything of it. I'm, pardon, you, you said forgery when you came in. Uh, I did. Forgive me, but the, are, are you implying that, that this shield was like used in some swapping out of the Shattered Shield in, at Castle Overwatch? Yes, uh, that's exactly what I'm implying. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm afraid that I, while I am a, a master of my craft, I'm, I'm afraid that nothing that I may could possibly work as a convincing enough replica to, to fool uh, the Knights of Ozum for two years. But then she kind of like stops and like looks off into space like a little worried what we've experienced of Sito I'm not sure convinced that maybe they've known and she just doesn't want to raise a problem he says in quotation marks so she uh she kind of like flips through the dossier and she takes out a, a folded piece of paper and she like unfolds it and then she unfolds it and then she unfolds it and it's like this huge schematic on the shield and it's like the front back uh, like diagonal views and it's like got all these like different specs and like the curvature of this part and like the diameter here and like this crack and like how thick it should be and how deep it should be and like it is like she doesn't think this would fool somebody detailed. like once she like unfolds that she then uh goes up to a bookshelf and she kind of like flips through a, a few different books and she she pulls one out and she turns to a, a specific page and she she shows you all and uh, so you you see her commissioned work, the shield of Arnesent, complete with cracks and fractures, and then she shows you the, an illustration in the book that she pulled out, and it's the shattered shield of Arnesent. Uh, now the shattered shield is no longer a shield; it is just like all the pieces of the shield, kind of like brought back together in like the shape of a shield but like all the pieces are still like individual and uh like, like the, they're uh, like, like a museum or something right i yeah. mean sure yeah like yeah like lord of the uh, rings they don't they don't actually glue them back sword. together they sort of right like yeah this is the shattered shield of arneson these are all the pieces we brought them all together and they all fit about here and they would make this shield but like these are all the pieces and you can see that they're all individual pieces so she 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 kind of like points to her commission and she says now i i i thought it was strange but i i'm, I'm so, i did not find it nefarious but if they wanted to create a forgery of the shattered shield of arnesent they had me make these these cracks and fractures if they were careful enough they could have broken this shield apart in precisely the same way that the shattered shield of arnesent was my god do you by chance mark your work with any signature or definitively your work i do unless specifically requested not to and well wouldn't you know now there's the shattered shield of arnesent is still a, a very powerful magical item uh, even if it doesn't work as the shield of eridan anymore that's a, a, a cursory glance with a, with a with a magical eye would would see that my work is not magical, but 
if they left a piece behind, then the magical aura might still be there. And she kind of like if looks you, at all of you. Uh, is there a viewing times for this uh, shield, like as like a museum kind of thing, or? I mean, I'm sure we could either impose on Ralphus to give us an in or even talk right to Eluna Varvatos, and she would probably escort us there to check it out. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking... Because I, I remember Eluna even saying that she... Like, I see that shield every day. Like, she's right. around it a lot, so she could easily get us there if we asked, I think. Forgive me, but what is what is the purpose of your investigation? What, what do, you, do, you, do you have a motive why someone would do this? We... We don't. We're not even 100% sure who's done it. May I ask you a question? Would you be able to identify your work if, you know, let's say we had an in to go investigate this shield? Perhaps. I cannot say for sure. Like I said, my, I am a master at my craft, and I, when I was commissioned to make this, it was to, to be precisely like this... And he, she points to the, the picture of the shield of Aridin. Like, this shield, if all of this came to pass, then, well, the shield that I commissioned no longer looks like this. It, it would be in pieces. Speaking of motive, how did your establishment catch fire this morning? She says, I was kind of hoping that you could tell me that. I sort of lower my head as, as in, like, uh, do you see where I'm going with this? Maybe, you know, like... Maybe these two events, us being here and your house burning down, are related. Yando says. Yando pipes up, and he says, "Hold on a minute. We're trying to find this Gildeus guy. We finally get a lead to go talk to Doswin Aubrey. When we get there, she's been kidnapped. But we get this other lead to go to Bruna's. We get there, the place is on fire. It sounds like whoever's doing these things, they're, they're trying to." cover up their loose ends. It does seem to feel that way. What's the next loose end? Maybe we can get out in front of it. The next loose end is the forgery, right? So, I think Uhtred would say, Bruna, would you be willing to meet us and Aluna Varvatos tomorrow and take a look at the Shattered Shield of Arneson? Yes, of course. And maybe bring your ledger with you? Yes, I'll, I'll bring it and I'll help however I can. I I still can't fathom why someone would want to swap out the, the real shield. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's it's priceless. It would be worth a fortune. You did say but, it still had strong magic attached to it, correct? I wonder... Well, Uhtred starts and kind of catches himself. I don't think Uhtred really wants to share, like, the gravity of what we're truly doing. Um, yeah. With, with her. So instead, I think he's going to say, Bruna, are, are you going to be spending the night here? Or are you going somewhere else? Oh, I was just cleaning up here. I was going to try to find a, a room to stay at. I've already sent Rolf back to his parents for the night. Well, can I recommend you coming and staying at the inn that we are at? I don't want to alarm you, but the same token, you're has already been lit on fire. I'm not sure your life is necessarily safe right now. I hate to agree with you, but I mean, I I think that you might be right. Uh, 
Okay, well, we're staying at the Arcane Marks. I love, I love that guy's inns. At least we'll be able to keep watch throughout the night, make sure no funny business happens. Yes, that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I. You can stay in my room if, uh, if necessary. And Uhtred, we also have that alarm rock, right? Mm-hmm. We do. Well, we'll be notified if uh, anything enters the room as well. That's true. But thank you for looking out for me. Uh, and at that point, you hear a loud knock on the door. On oh, what door? I. That's true. At that point, you hear a. <laughs> uh, hello? Anybody in there? I'm. I'm looking for. Uh, I'm looking for uh, an an Uhtred. I'm uh, here. Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, I have a message. For you. Yeah, I assume he's on the upper landing, right? We went I down mean, into the, the basement. He's on the... Yeah, I mean, the, the voice is calling from upstairs. Okay, so I'll... Uhtred will go up the, up the stairs. Yes, I'm I'm Uhtred. What is it? And who is he, it that uh, we're looking at up here? <laughs> yeah, you just see, like, a young a young man. He just kind of, like, holds his hand down. He has a, a sealed letter. I take it and open it. You open the letter, and it says... I ask for your presence at an urgent meeting to discuss the threats against Vigil. Please meet me at the Hand's Glory, a tavern west of the Tribute Hall to Magic. Directions to this meeting location are enclosed. I do not suffer from the bureaucracy of the Knights of Ozum, and I fear if we wait for these good men and women to sort things out, it might be too late. They mean well, surely they do, but if you wish to stop the forces of evil, I beg you to meet me outside the formal festival and away from bureaucratic ears. Eagerly in wait, E-Z. It wants to do it right now. Like, the the message implies, like, right now. That, uh... Doesn't specify, urgent, right? Urgent meeting. And E-Z. didn't we just meet with Evni Zagnos? Was there another EZ that we were supposed to meet? No. Well, maybe, maybe uh, something else came up. Pretty friggin' suspicious. All right. Well, my concern is we just said we were gonna watch Bruna tonight. Well, I say we send Bruna ahead to Arcane Marks while we go to this meeting. I guess. I'm not. I don't sure like the I'm idea of taking Bruna with, with us. I don't either. But if we're gonna send, I'll her go alone, with her. You want? You're gonna stay with Bruna? Yeah. Fuck it. Split the party? Split the party. Because <laughs> the, the other thing that Uchi was thinking is we take her to Elena first and then go to the meeting with Evni. Uh, if Vipira wants to stay with Bruna, Uchid won't fight it. I mean, as a player, I hate this idea of splitting someone off from the party, but yeah, in-game, it well, seems um, reasonable well, to Uchid. Yeah, another thing too, how far, like, where are we looking at for distances? Is, like, the, is the Hand's Glory, like, on the other side of Vigil from Arcane Marks, or are they relatively close? So, you guys are currently here, like, the northern end of Vigil. Uh, you know that Arcane Marks is, like, southeastern area by the docks. The directions are enclosed and point you to this area, the southwest end of the city. With a 28 knowledge local, Uhtred, you would have been kind of familiar. Uh, you, you knew that it was in that general vicinity, so that checks out. Um, 
but you also uh, probably just heard through your investigations the last couple days, uh, you know that actually closed several months ago. Although that, you know, might not necessarily be suspicious. Maybe Evany, you know, just wants to have a, a meeting somewhere that she knows other people won't be. Can I roll a linguistics check on the, like, letter itself to see if anything seems off about it? Sure. 13. Nothing's really jumping out at you. Okay. Well, it sounds like we should go meet Evnia. My Pira, are you willing to stay with Bruna? Yeah, me and Bruna will uh, remain uh, hidden. Alrighty. Well, I guess hopefully we'll see you as soon as we can. Yes, I I wish you uh, good luck in your meeting. All right, so we're walking. Yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, and you know what? It's probably a good thing that we came back to Bruna's anyway, because this is where we left our carriage when Sito uh, accosted us earlier. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! All right, so you arrive at the Hands Glory Tavern. I mean, it seems pretty abandoned because it is, uh, but. Like right now, you're just kind of uh, like you park the the cart, and you're like in the alleyway uh, outside of the tavern entrance. Like everybody, to give me perception checks. Nine, thirteen, twenty-seven. All right, so you guys are walking in the uh, just like the central courtyard of where these alleyways intersect, and Rogyar, you hear the unmistakable sound of the tightening of a bowstring, and you'll be part of the surprise round. Nrogar, you are aware of two men standing atop the buildings that are flanking the group. So I'd like everybody to roll initiative. Okay, Rogar. Uh, 25. Ooh, Uhtred. 22. Randolph. Uh, right down the line, let's go uh, 17. Okay, so we are in the surprise round. Up first is Rogyar. Okay, so Rogyar is going to... uh, He hears the bowstring, the sound of a bowstring tightening, and he just goes, everybody down, as he does the exact opposite and flies straight up. (laughs) How far up does he go? So Rogyar is actually going to fly uh, northeast like through the alley and kind of around the corner to where the the front of the tavern was supposed to be, just to get out of line of sight here. Okay. And then he's going to, uh, as an immediate action, reignite his uh, enveloping winds, his defense talent. Which oh, yeah. Gives, gives me a mischance on range attacks. It's handy for this fight. Yep. All right. Uh, it is now the archer's turns. Uh, so Red is going to... He's just going to shoot uh, Randolph. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see how it is. Yep. Does a 30 beat your flat-footed AC? You know it does, you bitch. <laughs> okay. You take 12 points of damage. Good lord. As an arrow fires into your shoulder. And then Blue is going to shoot Uhtred. He wouldn't dare. Oh, dare he would. He will. He is. That's a 19 versus your flat-footed. 18. Oh. All right. You also take 12 points of damage. 
And now we begin the combat. No, not yet. Because a yet unknown player reveals themselves. Uh, this purple haired gnome is going to take a five foot step and fire her short bow straight down at Rogyar. Okay, Killebrand. <laughs> you know nothing. Is it a female gnome? Maybe. Nah. That'll be a 17 versus your flat-footed. I'm not flat-footed. Oh, that's right. So 17. And it wouldn't have hit anyway. Oh, okay. Get him, Matt. Ugh. <laughs> Blech. All right. Yucky. And that begins the combat proper. Rogyar, you're up. Okay. Uh, Rogyar is going to kind of continue his flight around the tavern. So he's going to wind up 10 feet above the rooftop here, because that's the highest I can go is 30 feet up as I'm taking my 60-foot fly speed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to use an air blast on this red archer with a pushing infusion. Try and shove him down so the rest of the party can get at him. Okay, good thing I didn't deadly aim. That's a natural one, and I'm going to go ahead and hero point to reroll that one, because... Yes. No. Boy. Do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Do- <laughs> oh, my God. So I rolled a natural one again. All right, well, at least roll that was your yourself. confirmation roll. <laughs> Ugh, that's a 21 to confirm. 21 does not confirm. Oh. That was lucky. <laughs> yes, it was. Jeez. What a fucking waste of a hero point. Well, like <laughs> Axel mean, said, it saved you from you confirming more. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, up next is Yando. So Yando's going to spend a move action, and he's going to share his favorite enemy bonus with uh, Rogyar and Uhtred. and Randolph Elias. and Uhtred. Sorry, Randolph and Uhtred. And actually, he's going to just take a five-foot step to the east first so he can share it with Thalias as well and then he's going to aim his bow up and vital strike the blue archer alright so blue's going to take 15 damage Nyando just kind of snarls I can't say I'm not happy to see some action for once but he kind of stops talking <laughs> Uhtred uh, I will uh, add that uh, climbing any buildings uh, requires a DC 15 climb check, which is easier than normal because crates, planters, and rain gutters uh, provide ample handholds. That's cool. In this alleyway. I'm going to reach into my handy haversack. Uh huh. I am going to retrieve a potion of spider climb and drink it. Nice. Pretty sweet. Very nice. Um, I'll take a five foot step to get like right up against this building. Okay. And yeah, I think that eats up my turn. It's a solid turn though. Yeah. Very good round one. Uh, Randolph. Wow. Right. I'm going to uh, telepathically communicate to Thalias and say, uh, Hey, Thalias, let me know if you've heard this one before. I need you. Why don't you abandon that? Uh, you're posted the carriage and come over in here and help me. And uh, as I say that, I'm gonna have him come to me. So he'll he he can act right. Like I can in that turn, I can have him come 30 feet to me. 
Uh, yeah, I'd say it's probably a move action for him to get out of the carriage, or right, like right, out right, of his okay. driver's seat, and then he, as yeah. a standard action, he can move 30 feet to you. I want us to like take some cover at okay. the corner of the building there. Yeah, you're under, like under those. We can. You're under those yeah. awnings right now, so you would have yeah. uh, cover from the blue archer, but not from the red one. Okay, that's fine. as long as we have some cover. Um, and Thalias Net is now providing the his aura bonus. Yeah, that's like step one to this combat. <laughs> Getting ambushed from the top of a building is pretty bad. So step one is get the lies here, get cover, and you know move, move forward from there. Oh, uh, can I cast a spell? Because I just I didn't move very far. Yeah, you I'm can cast, cast a spell. spell. I'm gonna cast uh, invisibility. Nice. Okay. Now you can take your time climbing up. Yeah. Well, if you, now if you I can knock it. Yeah. And actually, instead of me going around the corner. I'll stay with. I'll stay closer to Thalias. I'll go invisible, then I'll move over here, and I'll have Thalias hide hide next to me under this awning. All right. And I'll go invisible. It is the mysterious, mysterious gnome's turn, uh, and she's she takes a five foot step uh, southwest. She's got a good view of everybody in the alley, and uh, she's going to take a full round action onto Utrid. Would she attack him with a bow? Yes. Okay, I'm going to use an Arcana point to do an immediate action and grant myself a plus six shield bonus on her first attack. Actually, what? I should see how long that lasts for me. It might be more than one attack. It lasts until the end of your next turn. Okay. What is this for? Uh, it's his Magus Arcana. It's like a shield Arcana. <laughs> I've just forgotten about it and haven't done it ever before. Oh, wow. What's it called? Uh, spell shield. It's a arcana. It, yeah, it grants him a shield bonus equal to his intelligence bonus until his next the end of his next turn. And it's an immediate action. Yep. So that's one of those. Yeah, that's that's a hefty AC boost right there. Yeah, yep. I'll just come How out. How much and, AC is it? Uh, it's equal six. to his intelligence modifier, which is at a plus oh six. Yeah. yeah. I'll just come out and let you know right now. You got I'm at a thirty-seven. So. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Got my work cut out for him. Yeah. <laughs> Natural 20. No fucking way. Get out of here. I'm not I was even fucking waiting for that. <laughs> I got a natural 18 to confirm, and that totals First to total. 32. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Go right, home, and kid. Second, wow. second attack, natural 10. All right. Uh, so that's going to be five points of damage. And I need a fortitude save. 19. Okay. Uh, felt uh, something a little sticky on that arrow tip, but you uh, fight your way through it. And now I need a will save. 26. Nice. All right, you crush it. Give me a uh, knowledge arcana check. 32. Well, arrows are by no means designed to be noisy they do usually come with like a you know as they uh bury themselves into their target uh this the arrow that struck you like made no noise and uh then you you feel this like just weird magical oppression over yourself that with your will save you fight off uh but with these uh these two uh clues you piece together that you're being shot at with hushing arrows 
uh, in addition to making no sound uh, on release or as they fly through the air, a creature struck by a hushing arrow needs to make a uh, will save or be affected by silence for five rounds. Oh, wow. That would have uh, sucked if I failed that. Yep, being affected yeah. by silence would have meant that you can't cast spells with verbal components. Right. Up next is the archers. They should shoot at me. Um, I think they're mostly concerned with the guy who is flying around and has a vantage point to attack them. So uh, Blue's going to five foot step to the east and they both have a clear shot to Rogyar. They're going to full attack. That's a 28 to hit. Uh, That hits, but it's going to have a uh, 25% miss chance because of my swirling wind. Okay. I'm sorry. Um... Did a 26 hit instead of a 28? Uh, no, it did not. Okay. So, actually didn't hit. Natural one. Confirm it. Natural two. Nice. <laughs> yes. All right. So, uh, this is called, huh? That archer is now confused for one round. Oh, oh damn. Awesome. And that would have been my, my fumble if I had crit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Next archer. It's a 24 to hit. Nope. Uh, 22 to hit. Uh, nope. Well, alright, up next is Rogyar. Alright, Rogyar is going to fly uh, about 20 feet to the west and uh, up another 10 feet. So now that he's he's now level with uh, Kilobrant at the top of the inn. And now he's going to uh, he's going to use his air blast with a pushing infusion on Kilobrant who I assume is Killebrand. I'm shooting the gnome. All right. And I will deadly aim this. Yeah. Yep. That's a 31 to hit. That hits. So that is uh, 33 damage. And... All right. Ugh. And it's a 16 to push, to bull rush. That does not bull rush. Ugh. Up next is Yando, and he's going to uh, keep... Peppering away at that blue archer. Natural 20 on Yando's first attack. Oh, Yando. My boy. Oh, that's a confirm, baby. Oh, Yando with the ranged confirm, a piercing confirm. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's given this guy appendicitis. Um, <laughs> that archer that archer is taking double damage and is poisoned as if by green blood oil. Interesting. I'll go ahead and lug that up. But first, let's do his crit. 26 damage. Blue archer still up, but Yendo's got another attack in him. Another natural 20. Wow. Yep. That's my boy. <laughs> Come on, Yendo. Holy shit. It's still enough for uh, to confirm. I did not roll well, but that fucking oh. favored enemy, dude. All right. This crit is called Shoulder Wound. Uh, double damage again, and 1d2 strength and dex damage. Damn, alright. Alright, I'll roll the roll the damage first. So one more than last time. 27. That is enough to kill the blue archer. So yeah, it's just foom, foom. One arrow just like goes right through his abdomen, the other arrow goes right through his shoulder. The dude just like, like falls off the rooftop, Wilhelm screaming everything. <laughs> All right, Yenda's super happy with himself. Up next is Uhtred. Okay. He's just going to cast a chill touch. Okay. 
climb up the wall and deliver it to... I hope that's not an actual dog. Yeah, it's a dog. Whatever. These guys have their guard doggos with them. Alright, I guess Uchi will do it swing on the dog. Alright. Yes, be the cop. (laughs) Jesus, man. This dog just had his master slain before his eyes, so he might as well just go ahead and put him out of his misery. Yeah. Alright, so that's going to be a 31 to hit. A 31's going to hit. So it's going to be 9 slashing damage. Okay. And 6 negative energy damage. Uh, I got a saving throw for the damage, the chill touch. It's a fortitude save against the strength damage. You don't take one point of strength unless you make the save. All right. Well, that is enough to kill the pup. Okay. Nice. Dad, don't do that. <laughs> You're bad people. Can we can we make it any sadder? <laughs> okay. Uh, Uhtred the dog killer's done with his turn. Uh, Randolph. Yeah. My plan was to scale this building. Uh, and I guess I don't know that Uhtred just uh, took care of business up here. So... Well, I mean, you would have you would have heard no shortage of yips and yowls of agony coming from his uh, his, right, well, his dog murdering. Without metagaming, if that's good enough for me, I'll uh, I'll go to this other one, and I can see the threats over there actually. So I guess that makes sense. I'm gonna make a move action over here to the other building. All right. Uh, and now we've got cover from those guys, and uh, I'm gonna have you you seen like the. Uh, firefighters who uh, are able to scale a building super quick with like their ladders that's me and Thelias as a team okay. boosting each other up you know like I jump on a crate pull him up put him on my shoulders he grabs something pulls me up we're doing yeah. one of those cool that is cool not how the firefighters <laughs> yeah okay 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 that was just an example for how two cool dudes could totally scale a cool building but not fire. if we had a ladder we would just climb up the ladder <laughs> and if it was on fire we'd be running the other way yeah, Randolph, give me a climb check, uh, and Thelias, too. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, plus one to climb. Let's go. Thelias, what is he? Uh, plus one to climb also. <laughs> oh, pair of sixes. Look at us. <laughs> Teammates to Two cool end. dudes terrible at climbing cool buildings. <laughs> God damn it. I don't even know why I put flavor on this stuff. <laughs> I just look like a freaking idiot. That's your flavor. <laughs> idiot. That's why we love you. <laughs> it is why we love you. All right. Sounds good. Uh, next well, how up, how do we do? It, well, <laughs> get up there? You didn't, you didn't do. make much progress. Uh, up next is the gnome, and she's going to make a full attack on Rogyar. That is a twenty and a twenty-one. Those Doo-doo. both miss. Do do butter, but I'm rolling. As soon as I as soon as I get you guys in like any intrigue setting, you just start kicking all the ass. I got to get you back in dungeons. <laughs> yeah. That's how we do it. <laughs> All right, Archer's turn. The so the red archer is the only one left, and he just gives a little like, like a little like, like whistle through his teeth, and his dog is gonna run across this plank of wood and attack Utrid. Alex really just wants Nick to have to kill both dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his, he's got his dog there to protect him from shit exactly like this. So I don't know what you want from me. Uh, so the doggo's gonna give Uhtred a mighty bite. Natural one. Confirm it. 
do it. This is excellent. 18. Confirms. So the pupper got a hangnail. Says, if this was a claw attack, slam, or unarmed attack, you cannot use that attack for 1d6 rounds. Oh, well, it was a bite, so... He and his nails are totally fine. The archer is going to five foot step to the east. So he's got a clear shot of Uhtred behind his doggo, and he's going to full attack Uhtred. I'm going to spend another arcana point as an immediate action to give myself a plus six. You bitch. All right, I'm not even going to bother. Natural five, and probably not even a natural 13. Uh... That's yeah, a 23. Uh, up next is Rogyar. Okay. Uh, Rogyar is going to stay right where he is, and he's going to gather power to empower an air blast, again, pushing infusion at uh, the gnome. Okay. Uh, with deadly aim. All right. That's a 25 to hit. 25 hits. And then that's, what, 33 times one and a half. That's... 44 damage no it's 49 damage and that's better and that's a 30 against her cmd well you kill her with the blast and blow her body right off the edge classic rogue yar just imagine yando sitting down there all of a sudden just this dead gnome falls in a heap next to him <laughs> you you just hear good shot rogue yar <laughs> And it's Yando's turn. He's going to five foot step southeast. And he's going to full attack on the remaining archer. First attack hits. Second attack hits. Okay, that's going to be 17 damage total. And now it's Uhtred's turn. All right, I'm going to take a full round attack on this pupper in front of me. So the first one is a 19 on the dice for a crit threat. With a total of 32. That'll crit threat. And the crit confirm is a 20. That will confirm. Alrighty. Is it going to live through right, this... 20 damage? Uh, no, it will well, not. The... Well, okay. that's assuming it's crit, double. The crit, does do, the crit does do double damage. It's Both called Tangled. It's double damage, and you may automatically grapple the target. Is that Ooh. slashing or magical? Oh, that's the... I didn't think. I thought Chill Touch was a one-time use. What? It's nah. also one spur level, isn't it? Yeah, it's one spur level. Uh, sorry. So yes, the magical one is called Pretty Colors, which is also double damage, and the target is dazzled for one d four rounds. Well, this. But either way, that's double damage. All dogs go to heaven, so I'll give it the Pretty Colors sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> and then. All right. Uh, Uchir's gonna so, take a free action if he can. Okay. And he's going to address the last remaining archer and say, If you value your life, you should surrender. You're clearly outnumbered. Drop your bow and we will let you live. Can I roll an intimidate? Sure. Uh, you also technically have a move action remaining. Uh, since Yeah, that was just your first attack. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this as I'm moving up to him, down the plank. Looks like it's 30 no matter how you cut it. All right. Uh, next up is Randolph. This guy will respond on his turn. Uh, I'm going to continue climbing. See if All I right. can get up there this turn. Start climbing? Well, continue climbing. Climb checks? Climb checks. 18, 16. Look at us. Look at you. All right. So as a full round action, you can both get 15 feet up. 
So you are almost to the top. <laughs> cool. I hope there's any bad guys left when I get up there. There's not. Thanks. Although, uh, so Rand- Randolph's wearing that heavier armor, so he can only get 10 feet up. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and now it is the archer's turn, and he will respond to Uhtred's intimidate by running away. And that's going to provoke from Uhtred. I want to make a CMB to attempt to trip him. Fuck. I'm going to use a hero point to reroll it. All right. It's not much better. 18. 18 is not enough. So double move action. He uh, he runs north and then west, then hops down 10 feet uh, to the roof below and continues running. And it is now, I believe, Rogiar's turn. All right. Rogiar is going to uh, fly up ahead of this guy. So I'm standing like 10 feet in, or I'm floating like 10 feet in front of where he's trying to run. And I just raise a hand and I'm going to say, ah, you heard the man. Stand down. And I'll ready an action to blast him if he tries to continue running. Okay. And as a double move on Yando's turn, he's going to uh, run northwest and then get on the stairs. Uh, that lead to that same rooftop that this guy is on. And that's all he's got, but he is on uh, the same the same level. Uh, Uhtred. He took a double move action to get over there, right? Yep. So I'm going to do the same thing, and I should be able to just in one square next to him, because that's I started one square next to him. All right. And Randolph. Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> Every okay, time. I swear, like, we, no, I, I don't think any any of us like ever do this on purpose. No. It's just the flow of the combat. <laughs> I'm gonna continue climbing up the wall. I mean, there's nothing else for me to. I've got to get to the top. I've gone this far. Yeah, so I'm gonna keep climbing. Yeah, go using the stairs definitely wasn't the best way to go. Hey! Two, two cool climb checks. A 5 and a 21. Alright, so Randolph's 21. Elias. No, oh, Elias had the 21. Uh, <laughs> I'm about order. So as a move action, Elias reaches uh, the top, and uh, Randolph, unfortunately, uh, drops 5 feet. <laughs> so he's, he's 5 feet off the ground right now. That's the progress he's made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can Thalias tell me that nothing's up there and save me the pain? I guess, yeah. You guys would have been aware that the, the guy ran to the north. Yeah. I mean, you would have seen Rogar like, flying after and yelling, Hey, the man said stop. Right. So Thalias can take his standard action and, like, close in a little bit. Alright, yeah. It's, it's up to Thalias. I mean, usual. Randolph can also, like, as a free action, drop five feet, and then as his standard action... Like make his way yep. around on the ground level. That's got to be the play. Start hoofing it's it not, around. It's not the play I envisioned, but that's what's going to happen. Honestly, it's not a bad play because then it cuts off that route of escape for him to, so that he can't just hop down and run back out the way we came in. Okay. All right. Cool. And now it is the archer's turn again. At which point he drops his bow 
and he says, Please have mercy. Well, I guess our mercy will be dependent on what information you're willing to give up. Yes, of course. I'll tell you all about it next week. On the Inspired and Confidence Podcast. Yeah. See ya. See ya. See ya. Just wait till what I put out next week. See ya.